everybody. Welcome back to the Hunting Ain't Easy podcast. This is Mike Costello, and we are getting into what should be episode 10, and it will probably be episode 5 or or part number 5 of our bear series that we've been doing here on the podcast. Um, lots of good feedback. Bear hunting is, is, is definitely uh, top of mind for so many of us. Um, bear hunting policy is top of mind for so many of us in California, as we look back at what happened in, in earlier this year in February, when uh, the threat was, t- was thrown down to take away bear hunting. And so I think all of us have the goal of, uh, d- not just putting a tag in our pocket and, and possibly bouncing into a, a nice bear while we're out hunting deer. But, but I think a lot more of us are actually going to intentionally hit the woods this year and look for bear hunt bear specifically. And, um, and enjoy the enjoy the fruits of our labor. We hope. Uh, however, I think that the the normal harvest rate is about four percent. So we clearly need all the help we can get. And uh, with that, the the series has been hopefully putting some tools into your your pocket for how to do better in the woods with hunting bear. And this podcast, I'm excited to. Uh, to do the same again. Um, I've got Brian Kinsey on the line. Um, that's Kinsey's guide service, Kinsey guide service.com. If you're looking for him online or an Instagram Kinsey guide service and Brian is an owner operator of, of a, of a hunting service, hunting guide service here in Northern California. Um, currently he's up in Alaska. He's, he's also a fishing guide. We're going to, I want to hear a little bit about that, but, uh, Brian, welcome to the podcast. And most importantly, like, thank you so much for your time. You've got decades of experience and we're hoping to get a, get a few golden nuggets from you tonight. Hey, appreciate it, Mike. Yeah. So where, where are you right now? Um, just give us a little perspective on what's going on this summer for you. Yeah. So right now, so I guide up here from, uh, a, about mid-May to mid-September, depending on uh, the bear hunts we got going and the archery hunts we got going in California. But it's nice to be nice and cool up here in Cook Inlet and the uh, Kenai, Kasilof, um areas up here for salmon guiding. Um, literally from probably about May, probably from uh, Memorial to Labor Day is what we'd like to do. Just a little too warm back there in California. So yeah, we're just, just sitting in a little, yep. Just sitting in a little cabin, no Wi-Fi. surprised <laughs> that I can have this conversation with you. <laughs> it's amazing. As long as we feed the hamsters and they run really fast, the, uh, the digits will continue to flow, uh, across the, across the internet. So, um, so you're up there during the summer, um, and you've got a guiding service here in California as well. What are some of the the species that you guys guide for in California? So I have a son, Nathaniel Kinsey, that stays back, and he he guides uh, fly fishing there up on the Sacramento, the Trinity, Fall River, all those northern uh, California rivers. He's there right now. He stays back, and then I have a son up here with me that also guides um, up here on the peninsula in Alaska. Um, but we guide pretty much everything. I don't like to get into too much deer hunting. Um, you know, I just, I, it's a little tougher for me to take money from somebody on, on guiding deer in California, but I'm kind of the bear <laughs> expert and the, uh, um, let me back up, not the bear expert, the bear guide of our family. Cause I don't even like calling anybody a bear expert. Right. We're all and learning. Then, uh, yeah, and then uh, 
turkey hunting is great. We had a phenomenal spring this year and um, really enjoyed your, your one, uh, Kevin Vela, your one biologist too, outstanding young man there. Yeah. And then we do some log and occasionally we'll, somebody will draw an elk. Um, but the majority of our, uh, our game hunting is, uh, is turkey, bear and hog with uh, bear probably being our number one. I, I think if you Google bear hunt in California, we, we pop up right away. Cool. And, uh, but we, we enjoy still head fishing out there and trout fishing. And for those of you don't, don't know also the Sacramento river generally, I haven't checked recently, but was ranked a number four in the, the nation on tailwater fly fishing. And a lot of people don't know that about the Sacramento river coming out of Shasta. It's phenomenal fly fishing up here. Yeah. So I, I actually have a question related to that because while we were talking before I hit record, um, you mentioned, you know, salmon coming up the river and it made me think of salmon and bears. And we all have that classic picture. That's probably, you know, an Alaskan picture of bears, you know, standing there grabbing salmon out of, out of, out of the river, you know, just mm -hmm. gorging themselves on them. Do California black bears um, kind of participate in the salmon harvest as they come up river? You know, they do up more on the Trinity River, not so much the, the Shasta um, because of uh, the dams and all that. And Klamath has issues with some dams. Um, but over on those coastal waters, yeah, you get back into the more dense wilderness and where there's that good population of bears. You will find them out down there splashing around trying to get some. Uh, it's a rare photo opportunity though to see them in there you got to really be off the grid back in there but they certainly do just not not right where we're at and uh, uh not um in the easily accessible parts got it got it. kind of side side thought that i had when you were talking about alaska and then also the salmon in in our area um so obviously we're here to talk about bears we could go you and i could talk for for many many hours if not days on all the all the different things that you've got experience in and, and what you're you know what you what you do now but i'm curious um there's a lot of deer coming out of the b zones or historically there were a lot of deer but you've you've stuck with bear and you've kind of focused on bear so i think you know at the top question is for you why why bears like why why make that a focus uh, um, and a passion and something that you've you've really focused on over the years? You know, I was uh, I was afraid you were going to ask that question <laughs> um, because I, I I actually don't have a good answer. Uh, the rest of my family, there, there's kind of some running jokes that if you want to be charged by a bear or see a bear. Uh, just go out in the woods with Brian because you'll be gone 15 minutes and all of a sudden there's some sort of bear incident. I cool. don't know why that is. I have no idea. I did. Ha and then I've got another element of my family that uh, that will say that back when I was 11 years old with my dad, uh, matter of fact, hunting in the area where that Dixie fire is, uh, mm -hmm. my, my dad was a big practical joker. Um, <laughs> God rest his soul. He was you know, he's, he's the one that I give all the credit to for my, my hunting skills and my love of the, of wildlife in the mountains. But we were up there where that Dixie fire is, um, up around Bucks Lake. And my dad would take me hiking in the woods and he would suddenly look behind me. You know, I'm just a little kid and he would drop his rifle and start screaming and running oh, and, uh, just scare the hell out of me. And we'd just have fun with that. And he'd laugh and the whole 
countryside would be ruined for hunting just because of him laughing. But right. we, one day, uh, we were just driving down the road and, uh, and he said, did you see that? And I said, what? And he goes, a bear just ran across the road. I'm like, no, I'm not biting, you know, da, da, you know, and I'm, yeah, we, we pull the truck over. I go, I go walking along the edge and, and, uh, I get about 50 yards back behind the truck and my dad's standing there. My dad's a big man. So am I, and he is bigger than me. And all of a sudden I had a, had a full on bluff charge when I was about 11 years old. And oh, my wow. dad had always taught me, taught me to lay down and, you know, play dead and they're just neutralizing the threat, you know, taught me all these things. And, and, uh, I didn't do any of that. I was like, hell no. And I right. ran fast as I could, right. He's yelling and screaming for me to lay down. And the bear's like right on my butt. I don't know what happened, whether he was wounded or he was just ticked or what, cause it's heat of the day, 3 PM. I made it to the truck. I don't know when the bear had busted back down the mountain, but yeah, that bear probably saw my dad running at him right. <laughs> and, uh, and decided to get the hell out of there. And then I saw my dad in tears. Oh. He was so shook up because I didn't do what I was told to do. And, you know, I got, uh, you know, I got lectured, uh, pretty tough. And so sure. there's that element of my family that said, that's why Brian, you know, got into bears. But I, I don't agree with that. Cause I'm not all about you know, killing bears. I, yeah. I just, I'm more of an explorer. I just love them. They're, they're, they're fun to watch. They're fun to monitor. They are so tough. I, I'm so competitive and they are, in my opinion, just my opinion, the mm. smartest and toughest animal and probably have the best nose on our continent other than the king salmon. You know, the, I mean, I think salmon smell parts per billion. And right. I would say that that bear's noses are just so unbelievable that it's and, and it makes it so competitive to see one just to see one. And that's why I think I, I'm really into it. Cause I'm an explorer first at heart than I am anything else. So it's interesting that like you call out that you're you're not like killing them is not your passion like your passion is more about the entire experience of knowing knowing the bear you know habit behavior habitat like everything about it and and that's so like that's i think that's hunting today is like people immerse themselves in in the animal in, in, in what the animal is like, like it's, it's entire experience, I think more and more. And I think that's something that, that not everybody, you know, certainly non hunters don't know that and anti hunters won't ever know it. But, um, I think that's so cool. And it's so important to know that like, it's more than shooting this animal. It's, it's, it's like the total experience of immersing yourself into its habitat and coming to understand what it is that's going on with that animal. Yep. It's just trying to figure it out. And I've been trying to figure it out for 45 years now. I've been in the woods. I'm, I'm 58 now. I've been in the woods since I was, could walk Yeah. and 45 of it or so, you know, I, I, I think I, I think I killed my first bear probably at age 16 or 17. Okay. Um, my boys have killed theirs at 12. Yeah. Um, well, two of my three boys have killed theirs at 12. So they were a little, a little more blessed, uh, because we were able to run hounds and, and that type of thing. I, uh, 
but anyway, I just love um, just trying to figure it out. I mean, I'm, I get paralysis of analysis, just yeah. trying to figure out where they're going next, what they're feeding on. Um, I, I'm not educated like, uh, you know, your, your, your guests that you have on. And by the way, on a side note, yeah, loving what you're doing. And I Thank mean, you. I am a podcast nut. And the guys that you have had on so far are some of the best that I have heard from. And I listened to all the hunting podcasts and all the big podcasts. Oh, cool. And I've talked to biologists. But I'll tell you what, I really like that Jonathan Fusero guy a lot. Yeah. Uh, and I've already reached out to him and talked to him. And that guy's uh, he's on it. I really like what he's. But anyway, you're doing a great job. And these guys. You, they actually stepped on a lot of my thunder because I'm like, dang it, I didn't know anybody. Else who, <laughs> you're you know, you're my closer, man. Like you're you're gonna you yeah. gotta you gotta come in and you're the finale, I think. <laughs> no pressure, no pressure. Yeah, no, well, no, you know, I think, I, and the cool thing is, is like you've got north, you've got the north, northern California experience. You know, Jonathan, he's on the east side. Um, you know, Preston's got this, the tracking thing, which is super unique and, and gives everybody something to chew on. Um, and then, you know, Seth, who's an advocate and a hunter like me, like he's, he's, he, you know, he's like the, the amateur, but he's so into it and his trail cam, um, you know, his trail cam captures what he's got on video from those bears in the foothills and the lower elevations mm -hmm. in the C zone and D three are like, it's just crazy. Like it's, it's total entertainment looking at his, his videos. Um, and so I think this has been a lot of fun and obviously for me, it's been super educational. Um, and I think uh, hopefully for people that are listening it, like it just gives them more bricks to build, you know, the framework of whatever they're going to do when they go out into the woods. Um, I have, I have two administrative questions, kind of policy questions that people have asked, mm -hmm. and I don't know the answer. And I know you've been doing this since you, you laid it out there. You've been doing this for about four decades. I think you probably have been around when these decisions were made. Um, why, why are the northern X zones above Tahoe, so like X1 down to 7A, not open for general bear hunting during X zone general deer season? <laughs> do you know do you have a guess there, at why you that is? Have, yeah if you i so i have called sacramento on it yeah. and have not gotten an answer and this goes back a few years ago mm -hmm. i have asked wardens about it i've asked biologists about it and i i get different uh ideas and speculation i have been through <laughs> the CDFW website, like a law professor, yeah, you know, trying to so I don't make mistakes because because I've actually made mistakes before on uh, about on a couple things that I didn't know were were laws. So I'm like mm -hmm. study that thing constantly, and I have never found that answer. Now I have my own speculation, and I've talked to other biologists that have their speculation, but it might it might just be some you know, like one of those older laws or policies that were given for, you know, some crazy reason that just have been overlooked over the years. But yeah, I, I don't want to speculate. And well, I do want to speculate and guess a little bit, I'll tell you, but I always thought in my head, like X one is in my backyard. So that's, that's an sure. area that, that I know very well. And 
So I always thought it's 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 not the toughest X zone draw, but it's a tough draw, mm-hmm. and it maybe it just gives uh, you know those guys a chance to get you know their mule deer before you know the bear hunters come in, and especially the hound hunters you know that may come in there and right stir things up and mix things up. That was just my speculation, and I didn't it, it didn't bother me. And because the other thing is, you know, even when we were hound hunting, you could only run one, one dog per deer tag. And so we had a work around that, right? We'd just take five of our buddies with deer tags and right, run five right. dogs. And run five dogs and, from bear. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, or... so I think, so I think that that's just how I rationalized it okay. in my head. I've never had a problem with it, but. With the way things are now and the population may be healthy, maybe unhealthy. I don't know. Right. I'll leave that to the biologist. But, but um, I think that that should that policy should be looked at. I think the spring bear hunt should be looked at. I mean, there's a lot of things that that should be looked at. That just you yeah. know either that or they just need to make sense to us on why why these things are going on. But. So, that, that's the long answer, by the yeah, way. Yeah. So that yeah, one, that one, okay. So that one makes sense that it's an artifact of what was in place when hounds were still being run for bears. Um, and I'm guessing that X1 through X7A, there was more hounds being run for bears there than you had in X8, 9, et cetera, on the Eastern side. Yeah. And I don't know, I can't speak well to... Uh, Mono and all those areas over there. Um, I've always been a little, well, I can't, I've been down there a little bit, but I can't speak well to all that country down there at all. I'm from a population basis. I'm just guessing that more yeah. hounds, uh, like probably 10 times more hounds were being run in the Northern California region than, than over on that side of the, of the state. Uh, uh, so. and I would say yes, but I okay. don't know. And, uh, I, Anyway, I, I, I just don't know for sure, and uh, hmm. I will research it. Anybody that researches it, I think Jonathan's going to research it too, and uh, he's reached out, I've reached out, and we're like all scratching our heads going, well, I've known it's there. I've sure. known the policy's there, but I just don't know why. Yeah. I mean, it's not a lot of extra tags. You know, X1 through 7, what is it, like 3,000 tags total If you know, in terms of deer really? hunters? You know, so it's not a lot, it's not even 10% more tags if they all put one in their pocket and they were out there, but incidental take, you know, it might be another 50 bears and it just creates more interest and balance in, in that habitat. Okay. So the, uh, the second question is that I'll say is like the administrative policy question is why is Northeastern California carved out and not allowed? Is bear, is there no bear season up there? Is it, was there a time years ago, eons ago when there was not a, a healthy bear population in that corner that is the understanding that the density was not there okay that's that's my that was the only understanding i had of that but then again that's the same thing that i never found literature on it never found policy on it that was just the understanding but as you know now density is even headed to the (laughs) desert you know so we're we don't uh so it just has to things change and we have to look at it. And the other thing your audience should probably know is, man, it's easy to hate on CDFW. It's easy to hate on wardens and it's easy to hate on biologists, but these poor yeah. folks of California, 
are so understaffed and underfunded yeah. in a lot of areas. And you got to wonder if they're taking from, you know, one budget and putting to another budget and uh, just trying to survive. And these people are doing the best they can with the limited resources that they have. And, and, and I'm not excusing it and I'm not saying it's okay. Sure. I'm just saying that, I mean, most of these folks are, are hardworking family people trying to make a living and they love our wildlife just like the hunters do. So, yep. No, it's true. At the individual level, and, and it really as even as a department, I think CDFW is our number one ally. Um, and you know what? Heck, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes you, you gotta you gotta you gotta choose an ally. Like you gotta you gotta just figure out like who who can be my ally. And and even if you're mm-hmm. if you're jaded enough to think that we have none, then you're gonna choose CDFW to be the one. Like you you, you have to. Yep. And so, like. And, and if we all we do is light them up, you know, if 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 only the only thing you see on a Facebook group or or you know whatever sitting around drinking beer, all you do is light them up. You're not helping. Like that doesn't that doesn't that doesn't build alliances. Nothing gets solved that way. And so, um, I mean, you've heard it. I, I'm I'm preaching. Mm-hmm. I'm naive enough to preach and, and believe that we can kind of change that conversation and figure out like where are the allies and how hunters are 1% of the state, literally, mm-hmm. like there's 40 million people and we sell less than less tags than would be 1% of the state. And so we can either be complete assholes and angry at everybody, or we can say, how do we get 49 and a half percent of the state to at least like what we do? <laughs> Yeah, you know so it's like do what you are doing i'm getting a little old and a little tired and a little burnt out from it all but man when i see guys like you that that are just starting to hunt and are this fired up man it just kind of renews my my faith in the in and because you're firing everybody up right now and i just love it because there's like this this decade of just bitching and moaning and a lot of anger, was, a lot of anger. You know, I, I give you an, a, another example is with, with Kevin and the, and the NWTF and everything. Mm-hmm. There's a, there's a guy up there in Northern California that you should get on. His name's Ted Lighty. Okay. And, uh, he does all our CC, uh, W our consultant carries. He's really involved with NWTF and same thing. He and I had got together about, I don't know, gosh, 10, 10 years ago or so where we were tired of everybody complaining and we said we should just do something different, even one little incremental thing different rather than complain. And he got involved in this youth NWTF program, which I won't, I won't get off on it too much, but what he has done in our community for hunting and for second amendment is just amazing. And he's got, you know, the girls with guns involved and he's got the NWTF involved and he is cool. Just ran with it. And you kind of remind me a little bit of him. He's very inspiring. He speaks well, he gets everybody excited. He doesn't let, you know, he he changes the topic real quick if it gets too negative. So just keep doing what you're doing. We get more guys on board like you. We'll be fine. Yeah. Well, uh, thank you. Um, I, um, you know, I'll, I'll give my credit. Like I, 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 when I started diving into podcasts, you know, we have all listened to Randy Newberg a lot, but his, you know, his slogan is more animals on the hill. 
like you know he talks about rmef um and other conservation groups and it's like well that makes sense man like there's only there are not enough animals out there for us to all be successful every year correct um so we have to like we have to like the hunting we have to like the process as you know more than we like the success um and so we've got to go back to it every year because the process is fun it's enjoyable it's rewarding all that stuff but if we all want to be more successful or we want more people to get involved we need more animals like there, there has to be more animals out there and so like everything it's not a zero-sum game like it's not where one person loses because the other person won like the animals can win we can win. And so it's mm-hmm. not like uh, we have to find those channels to really, we have to learn what those, those are and then invest in them and not just financially, but like, you know, with, with time, with effort, with communication, we have to find what those opportunities are to get more animals out there so that who knows, maybe 20 years from now, you know, you don't need max points to draw an elk tag. you know people would say i'm 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 really smoking some good pipes pipe you know to think that but (laughs) but you know we're not going to get there with what we have now and so we have to we have to go down that path so i'm glad you're seeing more and more i'm seeing more and more uh, elk show up all around my on my tree cameras i've got elk on them all the time now but i've also got more lions. I, right. I can't put a tree camera up without seeing a lion on it. No. Nope. But uh, good success would be, you know, the the mid nineties turkey, you know, focus. I mean, now everybody in the country is, you know, hunting turkey pretty much. So we right. just got to do more of that. Yeah. You know? No, absolutely. So let's talk about bears. Um, you you've seen you have a lot. You're up there in Northern California, which is is renowned for having a lot of bears in in the B zones and the I guess the X one, um, and C and C was it C one? Mm-hmm. All C's, all, all C's. C one two three four B zone and yeah. uh, and X one is primarily where where I hunt and guide. Okay. Um, I, a lot of Sierra Pacific property, which is, you know, they've got shut down right now for fire concerns, which is, right. get, you know, is becoming an issue every year. God bless them for even letting us on their, their property. But, uh, right. yeah, yeah, we have, so side note before you get going here that before I forget mm-hmm. is that if you look at some of the CDFW stats, you know, how many you know, bears are estimated whether it's twenty five thousand, thirty five thousand, fifty thousand. Fifty. I, I read, yeah, I read on theirs eight years ago that they thought it was fifty five thousand, and now I'm reading now somewhere that it's twenty five to thirty five thousand. It's no like way. there's no way after hound hunting that we went down. No. Matter of fact, if you're if you're killing eighteen hundred bear a year, seventeen hundred bear a year. And you're still able to sustain that population and kill 1,700 and 1,700 and 1,700 over yeah. and over like we were meeting when we were hound hunting. Yeah. But then you stop for the last eight years. There's no way you decline. No. So let's just add those eight hunt, those 700 each year, you know, for the last eight years, another 5,600. Then, then you add, you know, their offspring. Come on, folks. It's yeah. a lot more. But, but even with the stats that they publish... You're looking at around fifty thousand. Uh, is it acres? Fifty thousand 
50,000 miles. I forget what it was. But anyway, 25,000 bears, you're looking at two bear per every square mile. Right. Um, in my area, I can't put up a, a tree camera on a walla without seeing five to six bears. Yeah. So I tell all my hunters, I'll prove to you that there will be five to six bears um, in your area. And so I just tell them in our area, it's, it's about two bears every square mile. And I said, I don't think I'm embellishing at all. And you could look at my thousands of photos that got date stamps on them. So, you know, that, you know, I'm not BSing with you. Yeah, no, there's, um, I've got a couple spots that, that have bears really all, all like spring through, you know, from, from snow melt to, to, to hibernation time, I, I see bears cruising through this area and, and it's multiples. It's five or six mm-hmm. different bears every year that, that are cruising this area. And so, um, no, there's plenty, there's plenty out there. We don't harvest, um, we don't harvest enough to maintain population. Like it, we're not harvesting enough to balance it. And so I, right. you know, the, I would say it's, it's a fair bet and, and talking to the folks that have been on the podcast, you know, it's a fair bet that the population is, is not just growing in numbers, but it's actually expanding geographically, um, which makes sense because, you know, they got to go get food and space. Um, so, but you, you mm-hmm. mentioned wallow, which I know is your secret weapon when it comes to bear hunting. So I want to talk about, um, you know, tactics. If I'm going to be an intentional bear hunter, not just, you know, hope to bump into one while I'm out with my deer tag, what, you know, what are the things food obviously is important, but I like to hear your take on food and, and following it or finding it based on the season, but beyond food, you know, what are your what are the things that you look for if you want to, if you want to, to see bears during the, the hunting season? Yeah. So if, I mean, it's, it's, I could get so eccentric with, <laughs> with all of this, but, um, so you, when I look back at myself trying to just figure it out, right. I'm just, mm-hmm. I'm an investigator at heart. I was in the investigative field for years and all that kind of stuff, just trying to piece the puzzles together and so that's why I even went into hound hunting. I wanted to get a better knowledge of where they're at, what habitat, where they're bedded, where their caves are, you know, everything. And just start marking waypoints, eat, you know, using uh, using uh, electronics, you know, mm-hmm. Onyx and Google Earth and et cetera, et cetera. Just trying to figure things out and trying to be strategic. How can I use the, the least amount of gas, the least yeah. amount of time to make you know to be successful for myself or with a client and obviously you know there's things like bait is is gonna help you you can't do it in california a -hmm. spring bear hunt's gonna help you you can't do it in california Mm -hmm. hound hunting you know we're running (laughs) probably 90 percent success when you're running dogs and select harvest so you're not killing boar you're not killing sows you're killing boars and you're you're, you know, um, it was a great program when, when they were doing that. So it's like, all that's gone. I even had a little side note. I even had, I don't know if she was a warden or what she was, but she was with CDFW and used to be able to write in and ask questions and they would mm-hmm. into the newspaper and that, and they'd, they'd respond that told me it was, it, well, cause I, I had said that, well, I hunt off wallows and she had said that she felt it was unethical 
to hunt animals off of water. Uh, and this I was, isn't the desert, I was, though. <laughs> I was floored. I was floored by that because I thought about that the portion of hunters that are are strictly meat eaters, that strictly game eaters, that really try to to focus their life on that. And I'm like, or try telling try telling certain cultures that it's ill, you know, it, it's unethical to hunt off of water. No, what's ethical is to buy a tag mm-hmm. and get and harvest your animal by the laws. Right. And you know, and then process it. So anyway, with yeah. that said, what I found is that when I back when I was uh previously before I was running dogs is during my research, I found out that pig or a bear from the pig family, or they're from the same family. And I'm like, huh, well, they don't have sweat. They don't have sweat glands. Yeah. They're hot. And California's hot. It's not Montana, Idaho, you know, Wyoming. So what does that tell me? That tells me that they need to stay cool. Well, you can hunt bear archery in August and September and then rifle in September. Yeah. Guess what? It's still a hundred degrees. So when everybody else is jump getting up at 4 a.m. to go hunt go hunt bear when it's nice and cool, I'm hunting them at 3 p.m. Why at 3 p.m.? All the hunters <laughs> are out of the woods. Yeah. The big sloppy three to four 500 pound bears can't handle that heat. They get up, they find their wallow. They got to get cool and roll around in it for you know five minutes and sneak back out of there. And yeah. bingo! All of a sudden, they started having more and more success. So. So optimal, what I would look for is where I could find year-round food source. So in other words, a plot of land that has, you know, acorn that may or may not produce fruit, you know, every year. Like, what is it, red red oaks, I think, or every other year or whatever. But you learn your your acorns because Mm. that's your, you know, late September, October, November food. So if you've got that. Then all of a sudden you've got manzanita in the area, and then all of a sudden you got changaping, I think it's called, and if you got choke cherries and and uh, blackberries, you know, and so I look for those spots that have year-round food plots. That's number one. Yeah. Number two, that's dense enough around to where it it'll hold a population of bear that's that's tough to get into to you know to find them on their beds, and with not a ton of water because you got creeks and rivers and everything on all sides of you. They could just go climb in a Creek anywhere, but if it's spread out, you know, every couple miles or whatever, yeah, you know, or, or, and then you just got this one nice spring that feeds us meadow and you got Oak on the side of the hill and you have blackberry and you have all this, guess what you're going to have. You're going to have a ton of bear around there and you're going to be able to isolate the bear because you're going to find somewhere in that spring, which looks like an elk wallow, you know, that, and, and got to be year round. Um, you want that year round wallow, even though it'll freeze up in the winter or whatever, you find that optimal spot spot will have year round springs, not seasonal springs. And that to me is optimal. And then I put up, I, I'll put up a, a camera somewhere around there. And then, you know, there's laws um, out there. If you end up in drier area where you find those guzzlers, you can't hunt right there on them. So you got to sure. find, find the trails that they're coming into them. And so 
find your distances that that where you can hunt and because you're gonna have to set up way back there but usually they'll have five or different ways to come in right you know from their bedding areas to the wallows so you so you pattern your bears by setting up your your tree cameras on the different trails you got to hide them well enough to where the man predator don't take your cameras right and then you uh, then you just start patterning the bears that all of a sudden you got you, you might find one that is coming you know, two in the afternoon or 7 a.m. or whatever it is. And then, then we pattern them for our, our clients. That's, is that, that's it, what basically, it, it seems so, like, it seems like that, you know, dr- relatively dry, but with food, you know, multiple food sources um, available, say between, you know, September to November, early November. It seems like that lends itself to, kind of middle elevation hunting is that is that fair 100 percent, 100 percent, three thousand to five thousand okay um uh, even 25 not, not the high alpine because i still have it in my head that bears are you know cruising across ridges you know rocky saddles between two timberline basins and that's just not the case not no that not my area <laughs> and that's so you can bring up a you bring up an excellent, excellent point because I get into it with other guides from other areas and other states mm. that can't get it through their their head that <laughs> regions do make a difference. And you're sure. you're like you got to know your area is going to be uh, pinion nuts and manzanita, and you got to know when they're hitting the man. You may you may have the greatest manzanita spot right in the mm-hmm. world in your area, the man the manzanita berries, and then you're just seeing piles and piles. And you go back there the next year, and there's nothing there, and you're scratching your head, going, "Why?" Well, guess what? Go out there in March when those those manzanita berries are blooming, mm-hmm. and they're they're all those little pink, pink white flowers. Mm-hmm. But then all of a sudden, you got a sudden snow tor- storm freeze for two weeks and it killed them all. And then all of a sudden you don't have no manzanita berries and you're going up there scratching your head, wondering what happened, thinking there's, they're gone. They'll be somewhere you gotta else. Realize, yeah. They're going to, they're going to go where the food is. And that's, that's a mistake that most people make, but back on the regional thing, you're absolutely right. So let me, let me just make a disclaimer that I only speak to my area Yeah, and those that, speak in generalities or one size fits all are kind of ignorant. Yeah. Um, just, I, I just know my area and the area that you and the Mono area and all those over there, you have to just take what everybody else is saying and what you're listening to and take those tactics and learn your area, your area, those high mountain bears. I mean, like one of, one of your guys that you interviewed, I, I forget who it was that talked about the sap. Yeah. Or whatever on their paw. I was like, holy cow. I've, I've even seen that on my, my bear scratching my head, you know, back when we used to run hounds. Cause if we ran through lava flow, we would, we would look at their paws and you know, the, their paws are pretty worn because of the lava like okay. sandpaper. But occasionally we would see certain things on their paw, like sap and stuff. And it'd be like, man, we're, they must, they must be scratching juniper trees. And then we'd go find juniper trees. And sure enough, Cause it smelled like juniper on their paws. Yeah. And we'd, and we'd go, okay, they're marking junipers also, not just Ponderosa, you know? And so mm-hmm. you have, mm. the side note is you have to be savvy enough to know that it, 
that nothing's absolute and you, you take from what I'm saying and just take bits and pieces that you like from what Jonathan was saying, from your bear tracker that you were talking to your yeah. other hunter, you were talking to Kevin, all those guys, just like in leadership, right? You take a li- the little bits and pieces that you like, and then you formulate your own plan. Yeah. And then test it and then, and then test it and learn. And obviously one season, you know, one, one, you know, 10, 10 days out hunting over this coming season doesn't necessarily give me the baseline, the basis to make a, a, a conclusion. Um, unless I just happen to find the wallow that's next to the food that all the bears are showing up at. <laughs> so, so the other thing is I'm a guy, so I get paid to do these things. So yep. there's, there's the guys like yourself that don't want a guide, which is, which is great. i matter of fact, hopefully somebody's listening and will end up commenting and saying, yep, I've tried to book with Brian and Brian talked me out of it. I try <laughs> to talk my guys out of it all the time. I, I don't, I don't need bear hunts. So, right. so I'm not, I'm not doing this because I want website hits and I want bear hunts. I do trust me. Prom, I promise you, I don't need bear hunts. I, I'm out two years on them already. Right. And I put people on, on the waiting list. Yeah. I would rather us have a healthy population that's managed right. And I don't think that it's be they're being managed correctly right now. Therefore, I want what you're doing to inspire people to go out there and be successful, get a bear, process the meat right, of course, handle hand, yeah. treat the animal with respect and be successful. That's what I want for you. But what you were just talking about is we have guys, we have people and ladies that work every day that can't spend the time that me and my guys could spend in the woods, Sure. but that's what I get paid for. So when they book me they're I'm, I'm spending the gas, the batteries, the broken cameras that the bear chew up in the woods constantly. I'm finding the spots for you. And then that's what we're doing. But right. I honestly, I get some guys that still book a three day hunt that'll say, Brian, I don't want to sit in your blind on the wallow. Mm. I want to spend three days with you walking the woods, learning. Okay. And so what I'll do with those guys, my app. So I pay my, my guys are $500 a day. Mm-hmm. It's pretty much average in, in the guide industry at yeah. the smaller end of the scale, at the very low end of the scale. Yeah. And we're just a little family outfit. So it's like, okay, we'll do that. And we'll just go out and I'll, that's where I'll show them the, you know, the markings. And I saw you post some pictures, yeah. you know, the, the, the bear markings, the scat, how to read scat, where they eat, where the food, where they'll bed, how they'll they'll double back on their, you think their beds are up this way, but no, they're, they already know you're there. By the time you see the trail and the fresh track and the boop, they generally already know you're there. Okay. And we could talk about that if we end up having time. Sure. But bottom line is, uh, you know, that's, I love doing that more than sitting in the blind, you know, on my wallows trying to get a bear. Cause we've also started three years ago, DIY hunts where you go out there alone in my blind or on a spot in stock and we use onyx and i send you this is where they bed this is where they feed 
This is their, where the blind is. This is where yeah. my cameras are. Here's pictures of the bears. This is why I'm sending you here because this bear's been coming here three days a week at 7 a.m. Yeah. Da, 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 da. You need to go scent as, as scent free as possible. Scent free is like uh, an oxymoron. There's no such thing. Sure. But be, be, you know, covered up as the best, cover your scent as best as possible. Don't, don't shampoo and scent free and wash your clothes and scent free and then show up in my camp <laughs> with a, a freshly, freshly oiled hops gun because right. you just blew the whole thing. Yeah, you, you're, know? You're, you're, you, you now smell like a gun shop. <laughs> right. Are you, so, so when you say blinds, um, are, are you pr- doing ground blinds, like structured ground blinds? Or are you doing tree stands or what, what's, uh, you know, what's your, it sounds like kind of ambush hunting. It's not really spot and stock. It's, it's more finding out, figuring out where you think they're going to be and then, and getting tucked into where um, you can see that spot. So it's, so it's all of the above. Okay. And um, it's not a one size fits all. Cause there's a lot of things that go in, in the guide world. Anyway, mm-hmm. a lot of my, a lot of my clients are like from the Bay area or Southern Cal mm-hmm. that are retired and they're at home. And the wife's saying, what, what are you doing? Quit being such a grouch. <laughs> well, I've always wanted to hunt bear. Well, book a damn bear hunt and get the hell out of here. Yeah. Good you know, and it. then I, yeah. And then, so I, I get them there may not be in shape, you know, so, so ground blinds for the elderly gentlemen that are not in shape that I can only hike in maybe anywhere from 500 yards to three miles max. I have to really look, I really have to, I don't like doing tree stands, although it's very effective, especially for archery, Mm. because, you know, that's the number one accident in the woods is tree stands and there's a lot of liability with it, but I do have my, I have I have X amount of my, my hunters that, that do DIYs that, uh, that I do put in tree stands. We, and we run the cameras on ponds and wallows and travel corridors and all that. Okay. Um, then I got my, my, uh, my guys that, you know, are in great shape that are like you that are just learning to hunt the last couple of years that Mm A lot of military guys, believe it or not, that have never yeah. hunted before. And I get them that come up from bases. I love those guys. Yeah. But I educate them the first day as an education. And then the next two, three or four days, whatever they book with that other guide, I make sure I've got, you know, them with somebody that can handle them. I can't handle those guys anymore. Um, <laughs> and they'll, they'll go up into the Trinity Alps or, you know, kind of that area, the, okay. you know, uh, where, where you can really cover some more ground. I mean, I have, I have a Cal fire captain. I'm just going to give him a little plug here, Zach, that works for me. But right now he's one of the, one of the guys in charge up there on that Dixie fire. Yeah. But, he's busy. Um, he takes, he takes some vacation. He's year round. So he, but he takes some vacations just to guide for me. And, uh, like he, he's been, he got a great, great bear using onyx and historical fires and his knowledge and taking these guys in. And, uh, you know, they got a really good one. Um, our biggest one from the last three, four years, um, just by, you know, spending the time with the legs and Mm -hmm. doing his research on onyx and his knowledge. And he knew the fire was there because he was probably the one that, you know, had to go 
take yeah. his crew out there. He knew the train. So, hey, question on that. Historical fires, you got, mm-hmm. you know, obviously we, we all think of it being it's good deer habitat. It's probably just good animal habitat in general. If I'm, if I want to do more of a spot and stock scenario, like, or say I hike it back into a backcountry area and, and I haven't figured out where the wallows are. I haven't figured out where those, those water sources are, but I can get up on a ridge and look down into a basin where there was a burn. Is it, would I, would I be right to focus on, you know, that little 50 foot wide green ribbon that goes down the middle that, you know, down that, that drainage where the, where the creeks are going to, the creek is there or the, the springs are surfacing. Um, and is that the focal point that I would want if I'm going to try to do a spot and stock? Not necessarily. No. And I'll tell you why. Okay. Okay. Good. So green, Good. When, you, when, you, <laughs> when you picture green and uh, nothing's absolute again, right? Just when I say this, you're going to go out there this year in that exact spot and kill a bear. <laughs> but, but generally that is spring bear hunting. Okay. Okay. Your drainages are generally spring bear. That's Montana. That's Idaho. That's Wyoming. Right. That's glass and ridges, that type of thing, like the clover and the grass. So when you see, when you see grass scat, it's 99% of, well, I'll just say 95% from the right. spring. Okay. You're seeing, and you it's a little more dried up, that kind of stuff. However, you may have a bear that is up on the next adjoining ridge or whatever that's feeding on your pinion pine, or if mm-hmm. you're low enough into acorn or manzanita, Mm-hmm. That is coming out of brush there because that's where he's laying because it's cooler where the, the drainages are, where the springs are. And he could, might have a little wallow tucked in there where he can lay in or whatever. And so he might come out of there to come feeding, you know, so you might see him that way. That, that'd be more of up in there where it's a little thicker where he might just be laying. But generally where I find that the bears lie, lay uh-huh. both in the higher mountain marbly area, the crags, mm-hmm. um, and even in, in our areas, they love to lay in denser, uh, older growth. Okay. Take your biggest, take your biggest trees, older growth, and about three quarters of the way up the mountain, um, behind your bigger trees. Okay. So I'll just give you, so, so when, so just like trying to chase a gobbler, right? you don't do, <laughs> you don't try yeah. to follow or chase a gobbler. You're not going to get it. I yeah. try to tell my guys when I'm teaching them, don't try to find them on their beds. You're going to get busted. These bears know which way the wind blows all the time. 90% of the time where the thermals are, where to lay because 95% of the dummies like us come in here this way. Mm-hmm. And so the, and so the thermal comes at this time of the day and it's going to come right up to them. And they, and they usually will go up and they know where you come in. So they're going to, they're going to flank you is where their beds are. So when you're coming down this trail or down this skitter trail or down this road, they already know you're coming <laughs> generally. Right. right. But if you find bear beds, think way out of the box, spend that extra, you know, hike that extra four hour hike that nobody does. Yeah. Once you start finding those bear, those bear beds up there and all of us and come in a different direction, you will shock yourself and you have to go in stealth mode, three steps and freeze for 
three minutes, always right. have glasses out in your hand, binoculars out in your hand. Look for those biggest trees and look on the upside of those biggest ponderosa pines or those big cedars or, you know, those big sugar pines in your area. Mm-hmm. And that's where you'll see them laying. And the best time to do that is right after a small rain or a sprinkle where it's not crunchy dry. Because, again, they know that. They know they're going to go where it's dense with a lot of blowdowns, where you're going to make a noise, and where they're they're going to uh, see or hear or smell you. Now, right. I, I, you, most of your guys have talked about this, but their nose is going to be, in my opinion, is number one. One of your guys didn't really 100% say that, but yeah. in my opinion, number one is their nose. However, tired of hearing everybody say, Oh, bears don't see well, or they don't hear well. They're full of it. Yeah. Bears see just as good as you do, and they hear just as good or not better than you. Because just as soon as you think they don't see you, yeah, watch one 200 yards away standing there staring at you. Right. Because they will see you, and they will hear you. Yeah. Um, I've seen enough in my time to know that they see and hear just as well, if not better than you. But their nose is out of this world. The more walking you do and the more spot and stalking you do, the the less chance, believe it or not, you are going to come. Unless you're just out in the in the opener of deer season walking around the woods right. calling it a spot and stalk and all the other deer hunters are stinking up the whole woods and bears don't know which way to go because they're, you know, they're like, go here, there's another p- person, go here, there's another person. Then, then yeah, you, you will probably see one in, in the Trinity Alps or so, Trinity area. So I'm what you're describing in terms of like you find finding those bear beds. That's, that's, that's just good old still hunting. Um, yes. And which is, forget, which is painfully slow. I, I don't have the discipline mentally or physically to, to truly still hunt very well. <laughs> the still hunter guys, those generally are those guys that get the bigger bucks and the bigger yeah. bears. Yeah. I can sit Indian style for six hours without flinching. Okay. And I, I can't do that with the client. That's why my successful clients are half of my own success. Cause yeah. they got to stand up. They got to move. I got to put them in blinds cause they move. I get those little doghouse blinds is what we use sure. for the most part where I can pop it off my back so they can move around, stretch out, scratch, pick their ears, whatever they need to do. Yep. Uh, bear beds, by the way, you will notice bear beds, deer beds are pretty well flat. I mean, you'll see the indentation, right? And you'll go, Oh, look, something's been laying there. Yep. I can't really, I'll try to get you to visualize it, but they're, they're flat. Um, and they, they have, ed- they have edges right around bears are more, their beds are more cone shaped. Like a dish. They go down. like Yes. They go, they yeah. go cone more like a, like a bowl. Yep. Okay. And cause if you watch them when they're laying, they like to, they like to tuck. If, I, I don't know if it's proper to call them elbows or whatever. So you get their, their front elbows down there mm-hmm. when they're laying down. And so you'll see kind of this cone shape to those bears. Now, just as soon as I say that you're going to, one of your guys are going <laughs> to post a picture of a bear laying flat out with his belly. Well, so I've got those they, pictures too. Sure. But for the most, for the most part, when you're looking for those timber beds, you're going to see they're deeper. Yep. Okay. They're deeper in the middle, like cone shape. And then you're going, aha, bear bed. A lot of times 
if it's a if it's a bare bed by a food source or by a wallow if you're walking without looking at the ground all the time start mm-hmm. looking at the trees all the time and you're going to see i think they like to mark their bed air, bedding areas too which is like this is my area stay the hell away from me that's right. just me thinking i don't know that i'm right that's when you say I, that are they marking with scat or are they marking by by you know scratching the trees or what's What's that raking, marking that's going to be in, you know, in the area of those beds? In the, in the beds in the timber, I usually find the trees marked okay. and I will find where they take six to eight foot uh, small pines and they bite the tops of the tree off yeah. and they, they'll rake, they'll rake the tree maybe a couple of times or bite it. Sometimes I don't know if it's a claw mark or a canine mark, mm-hmm. but you'll see where it gets raked across, not to be confused with elk because elk do it too. Sure. But you'll kind of notice the bears and you'll all of a sudden you'll be walking along and you'll be like, huh, that's funny. Why is that tree lopped off right there? Right. If you start seeing a lot, lot of those in one area, um, there's something, there's a reason that he's doing that. Yeah. You're either going to find water or food or bed. There's generally a reason for that. And it's your job to scout out off season, scout out that area to find out why he's there during, you know, a particular time of the year. Cause they will, they will move as, as you know. Yep. Um, but in the lava flows, what's interesting in the lava flow areas that we hunt, which we call them cave bears, we will find scat outside because you'll hear a lot of guys that have been around bears a lot, say that bears are a lot, very much like humans. You got your big, <laughs> baby Huey sissy ones. Right. You got your little mean short Tyson ones. I mean, there's, they could be anything, but in the cave country, what we find is right. When they, what do most people do when they come up out of the, uh, out of bed, most men, big men, right. Right. They need to hit the purge head. or right. clean out, you know, or hit the head. So we will find that there are, um, acorn scat, out outside of their caves, 20 yards, 30, yeah. 40 yards. We'll just see a big pile of acorn scat here, there, here, there, here, there. And then immediately we go, Oh, there's a live cave around right. here somewhere. Right. And the other thing, those that like to explore caves, our little secret for years, I don't care about giving them now is, is in some of the areas that we hunt in the lava country is how you can determine a live cave versus a, you know, a lot of people say, well, yeah, well, if there's spider webs across, there's animals aren't going in there. Well, yeah, that's a given. And if there's, if there's bushes or trees that aren't matted down, well, yeah, that's a given. Sure. But just because you, you don't see spider webs or, or there's just flat rock going into these caves, the giveaway on, on uh, live bear caves that we have found is there's usually bugs or flies flying around the entrance. Huh. So I can send you our pictures because I, uh, I, they're 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 attracted. They're just part of the. They're they're on the bear because of the scat. Yep, or on both. the bear because the bear. bears stink. Yep, yeah, because they're little stinky critters and sure. And bear are usually bugs and flies are there, and that's the giveaway on cave. Huh. I've never found a bear cave. I, I've seen. I, I realized last year that I was starting to see bear beds. You know, it was they were bigger than what would be a a deer bed, and they were they were dished like that. They were um, almost like a saucer, 
like like a, like an old snow saucer, you know, in in mm-hmm. kind of depth, kind of dished bottom, and yep. um, and and up tucked up like you said, a couple instances tucked up against a tree. Um, the thing, and I, I I've mentioned on a couple of the podcasts is you know I've started to see the, the stomp trails where they're stepping in this in their footprints, you know, repeatedly. Those are starting to show up. You know, it's like it's like it takes years. It takes many days in the woods for these things for your eyes to even see these things. Um, mm-hmm. Which is why I stress to everybody: it's like get out. You, you have to just get out there and start looking. Like you won't see them immediately, but as you, once they start to click, then you'll start to see them more. The thing I haven't seen, and I'm sure I'm walking right past it. And so I think this year I'm going to be try to focus a little more and, and see if I can discover it is is those snapped off trees because I know that I know that the bears are there, like the numbers are there. So there's got to be some trees that they're snapping off. <laughs> I guarantee you will see, and you'll see them on main game trails around yeah. wetlands, like ponds okay. or wallows or just you know the grassy wetlands. Mm-hmm. When you start walking through the main game trails, whether they're deer, bear, elk, whatever, open your eyes and start looking for those those six to eight foot trees. And all of a sudden you'll go, oh, my God, there's, oh, my God, there's another one. Right. Oh, there's one from about three years ago. Yeah. And, and sometimes you can confuse them from a, a snow load where a snow will snap some trees. Mm-hmm. But pretty soon you'll be walking up. And you will be looking at them and you'll be pulling hair off of them. Yeah. Interesting. So you, you mentioned you ponds. Really I mean, is, is a pond, mm-hmm. um, you know, wallow is like a needle in a haystack. Uh, it's probably there, but if, if there's a pond, you know, a half a mile from a wallow, I can't find the wallow, but I can find the pond. Is the pond is as good of a, a spot. 100%. The reason that wallows are usually a little better uh-huh. If you find them, is because they're literal, usually in thicker uh, terrain. Following those, you might you're just walking across, through the woods, and all of a sudden you see a little bit of green, and you see a little spring. And you're like, oh, there must mm-hmm. be water around it. Never, never ignore that. Walk up the mountain. Try following. Try anticipating where that spring came from. Okay. Keep walking it, and all of a sudden you're gonna go, oh my god. There's one of those wallows Brian was talking about. Walk up or down it, like a quarter mile. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you're going to have a new secret spot. Hopefully, there's not already a tree camera on there. Right. But, you know, in in our, you know, because we're starting to get, with COVID, everybody's in the woods now. Everybody's an expert now. But if if you see that little grass, that little spring, do not ignore that. If ferns is another little giveaway in your country. You start mm-hmm. bigger on the coast, but even inland, if you start seeing some ferns, you're going to find some springs and some water. They have to be cooled down. They have, they need water. Got so um, if you can find your spots that are live that have good food, but the water source isn't so great, mm-hmm. I promise you wherever that little spring or wallow is, you're going to find a marking on it, you know, on some trees around there. And by the way, they're, their favorite, I find, are ponderosa pines. You don't, I don't think you have a ton down there, but look for the more smooth barked trees. Okay. So in our area, the number one tree they like to scratch is ponderosa pines. Mm-hmm. They will scratch cedar and they'll bite that bark off the cedar. They'll, they'll 
Sierra Pacific, man, gets pretty, they have statistics on how many trees in a 40 acre parcel that, yeah. that bears destroy. Where they're peeling and, the bark. Uh, it, yeah, it's phenomenal. And snapping the tops of the trees off. It's, it's just amazing how many trees these bears damage. But if you can get your listeners to, like I put my, if you put your eyes on the, your, your hands on the side of your face, and you create a tunnel vision look, uh-huh. that's what your hunters are usually doing. They need to open their hands up so they can see out the peripheral vision, start looking at the, the six to eight foot trees, start looking at the markings on the trees, start looking at the heavier tracks. There's this new uh, phenomenon called the stomp marks, you know, which I've yeah. seen them stomp. So, so it's yeah. a real thing. I don't know what it means, but it's a real thing. Um, I've seen this, the, the I don't know whether they're stomp tracks or if it's just a 500 pound bear that, that walked in it when it was a little muddy or a little, little greener, you know, or if they like to just walk in the same tracks over and over, but I've also seen them stomp. I just don't know what the hell they're doing. And I'm like, okay, is he stomping? Cause he just smelt me. Cause, cause usually there's like, (laughs) in my opinion, there's five degrees of warnings. And I added number six, the stomp as number one too, because I'm like, because you got the yawn, which is a warning, the wolf, that's a warning, the popping yeah. of the teeth, that's a warning, the, the hissing's a warning, the yawning is a yeah. warning, or the, uh, when they're really aggressive, they'll, I, 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 that's when they're running circles around you about ready to bite you. Um, <laughs> I don't want that. <laughs> so, yeah. No, if you treat a couple of cubs on accident and they're, yeah. you're by the tree, that sow's going to start running circles around you. And that's the noise they're going to make. Right. And, right. uh, you just got to keep talking to her, have your gun out, walking over your spray out, and just start walking back saying, hey, mama, hey, mama, I'm leaving, mama. Yeah. She's going to be circling. She'll give you a couple bluff charges, and then as you back in away, back in away, she'll leave you alone. Is um, a lot, I, I've heard a lot or, or seen, I think, on some YouTube and podcasts that people talk about the best time for bears being mornings. I think you even mentioned it like, you know, early morning when it's cool out late afternoon, early evening, when it's cool out, that's when you're going to find them moving to food, etc. with the water and wallow idea. That's more midday. Um, do you, do you, do you sit all day? I mean, is it, what's, what's the, What's the time, what's the right commitment in time? Is it, you know, you find a spot and you say, I'm going to give this three days. I'll sit this thing three days. Or is it, um, you know. So if you said, if you said, Hey, Brian, I don't want to waste my time. And and I'm going to embellish a little bit here. Brian, I don't want to waste my time. I've, I've only got, you know, 45 minutes a day to hunt. When (laughs) should I go out? That's a very tight time. (laughs) I say 45 minutes before it gets dark in the evening. Okay. 70% of my bears are killed in the evening because I'm usually on the wallows or at the food source or on the trails to them. Mm-hmm. And if, if I, if, if I have, if it's a, uh, if it's a, uh, guzzler and I have to be, I think it's a quarter mile away or whatever, mm-hmm. then I would say you might pick one up, uh, a, a younger bear that's going to travel a mile to get to the wallow because there's probably a bigger bear kind of garden the wall over the guzzler or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, so he's going to be at more, more, he's going to put himself more at risk because he knows that the big boys are going to, you know, be at that water after dark till 3am. 
Mm. So if you're on the trail further in, I would say then even back it up to an hour before dark. The problem I have with, with my guys that want to get up at 4 a.m. and go out there and, and, uh, and, and, you know, and get in their spot and get in the woods at that time is there's a couple things. One is you're going to hike into your secret spot or that mm-hmm. food plot or whatever. First of all, the wind and breeze dictates which way you can walk. You may think you're going to go to your spot, but as soon as you're a mile mile and a half, two miles from your secret spot and that wind hits your back, I promise me, I promise yep. you your hunt is done for four hours, minimum of four hours. So you've got to approach so you, with the wind in mind, just like deer hunting. Yep. One, and uh, in my opinion, 110%. As soon as you've got, as soon as the, it hits the back of your neck, you're in for a sightseeing tour, even when I'm guiding you. And yeah. I'll flat out tell the guy, well, that's, so we're going to do what we're going to do is we're going to walk <laughs> by right. and we're going to hunt past it. Then we're going to cut. Cause you, so usually I have three to five different plans in my mind. If I'm walking into my spot or I have e-bikes too, believe it or not, if I'm sure. e-biking to a certain spot, then we're going to hike in. I, my favorite is a side wind. My favorite is not a wind in my face. Mm-hmm. The reason a wind in my face is not my favorite is because there ain't no bear going to walk my way with wind at his back. Right. Think about it. Right. So everybody, I'm excited. Yep. I've got, yep. Perfect. Got wind in my face. Well, I've never, in all my years, I've never had bears come walking with wind at their back <laughs> into a, a wallow or a food plot. They're always going, not always, they're generally going yeah. to, Flank. Now, one of your one of your guys, I don't I don't want to totally disagree with them because they're they're all been really really sharp guys. Yeah. But in my experiences, they do flank you. Okay. Somebody said no, not like the deer. You asked the question. I was sitting there scratching my head, going, "Okay." In my experiences, I've had deer come come straight down. They're using the wind too, but the bears have always flanked because especially like younger bears and that kind of stuff, because they're like, they, they want to make sure the bigger boars not in there. A sow with cubs not going to come in because she doesn't want her, uh, you know, bigger boar killing her cubs. Right. So they're always coming around the flank. They're always coming in with wind in their face. And if they need water, they're coming in with wind in their face. So they will hit side, side, side. So if I've got a side wind, I may now have about a 50% chance better. If I've got yeah. wind coming to my face 100%, it's not working very well for me, which, by the way, I, t- I think I talked to you a little bit offline before, when they're flanking, my assistant guides alert me, and that is my little Douglas Pine squirrel. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, yeah, you, you mentioned this. I, um, this, is where, this is where just time in the woods adds up, because... Most, most of us, you know, that, that are out there, you know, maybe it's our first few years or like, and this is like next level, I'm going to have you explain it, but to me, it's next level, like tuning into what's going on around you. And most people can't do it unless they're aware of it. And so I think you should explain it, 
but this is something that people need to think about. Like it is going to take a while for people to, to get this to, to stick and be a, and be a tactic. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. What is it? What is it? (laughs) So I think I've only heard one other person or maybe two people ever talk about it. And it shocked me when they did. And I think one was, is it Clay Newcomb or? Yeah. uh, Yeah. Bear Bear hunting magazine. Yes. Cause, cause Northern California is the Northeastern part of California is very similar to uh, the Arkansas country okay. a lot of hardwoods a lot of a lot of oak that kind of stuff so generally when i'm listening to him it's uh you know he's i'm like okay that guy knows what he's talking about you know that mm-hmm. type of thing but he's only he's one of the only ones i ever heard talk about and maybe steve also did a little bit but here's mm-hmm. the here's the deal i assign percentages this is where it gets eccentric or weird to some mm-hmm. people or over the top i assign percentages to all these little animals in the woods so when that blue jay comes by, and my other hunters or other people, oh, there must be something over there. I'm like, no, they're worth about 5%. They okay. bark at each other, squawk. They squawk for no reason. They squawk, whatever. So they're only worth about 5% accuracy. You get those bushy-tailed uh, tree, tree squirrels, the big gray ones, the ones that yeah. you, people shoot and eat, that they go, chum, 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 chum. Well, they're worth like five, ten percent. They're to me, they're like worthless. Do, do I perk up and look? Yeah. What What's bothering him? Mm-hmm. Usually, it's another squirrel that's in his territory. He's pissed, mm-hmm. or it's me. He saw us walking the blind, or you know, he, you know, me or a client bumped the blind, or something, and you know, or a deer come walking in, or whatever. Um, that little flicker woodpecker, same thing when they're squawking. I'm like, no, they mean nothing. So there's a little squirrel, little tiny guy. It's not a chipmunk. It's a mm-hmm. little gray squirrel in between the size of a chipmunk and a, uh, um, and the big squirrel sounds mm-hmm. just like a ground squirrel, you know, the grounders and they go, mm-hmm. man, those boys are 80%. I can if I could pay those, those <laughs> an assistant guide, I would pay those little squirrels because when I get a predator, generally a predator or a, or a hunter trying to flank me, mm-hmm. they help me in turkey hunting too. When, when I'm on public land and I'm guiding and I'm in contest with a couple other turkey hunters and I've got mm-hmm. a hot bird coming in and all of a sudden I start hearing one of them, one of my assistant guides sounding off. Mm-hmm. I know another hunter or a bobcat or a lion or a fox or coyote is trying to come in on my gobbler also. Yeah. So I have to, I have to get a little bit more aggressive going after him to try to cut out because I know somebody's going after it. Same thing with bear hunting. If I'm sitting on a wallow or a food source on a trail and all of a sudden, you know, I'm playing the wind right and it's blowing left to right, but straight up me about 300 yards, one of my assistant guide starts sounding off then all of a sudden more to my right another yeah. 100 yards another one starts sounding off and then another 100 yards i know i'm being flanked right i'm being flanked by either a mountain lion a bobcat coyote another hunter or a bear well if i know that there's a very dense population of bear there and it's about the time that i've got them patterned i'm like we got to get out of the spine right now. This, this boy's trying to get my wind right now. Let's go. Let's go. We got to get out. And we got to be quiet. 
So you actually you actually bail out to get to where hopefully oh yeah the bear doesn't get your wind get your scent yeah unless i'm in an area where i've got a skitter road trail meadow or opening mm-hmm. that my scent is blowing down through that because then i might catch catch them walking right out to the edge to look mm-hmm. but if i'm in denser woods i have to hit that trail and get down below him as so that way as he keeps coming to cut my trail i will now be behind down below him yeah i love it i i wonder how many times um well two things like to hear the animals in the woods hear the chipmunks and the squirrels and the woodpeckers and you know hear them sounding off like that you kind of have to be sitting still like it's it's easier to Mm -hmm. focus on those fine you know notes in the woods if you're not also moving and and you know if you're not focused on your movement so I just wonder how many times I've heard animals sounding off like that and just been like, eh, it's whatever, you know, they're just chipmunks talking to each other. But in reality, they were responding to something, you know, some stimulus that was coming through the woods. Yep. Um, when you, when you spook something, so when you're going through and you're in stealth mode, cause since you like to walk and explore like me, Mm-hmm. And next time you, I don't know if you have those same bird, those same squirrels in your area though. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so when they're going and as the animal gets closer to them or the person gets close to them, they go, and then when up. it's real close to the tree, mm-hmm. they go up the tree. And I'm, I'm doing kind of a, if you, if you YouTube, I think it's the Douglas squirrel, I think is what it's called. Okay. If you YouTube it, you'll, you'll hear it but they sound just like a ground squirrel. And I know most people have heard ground squirrels out yeah. in the woods, you know, especially lower elevation sound just like them. Next test. My theory, when you're in the woods, if you've got any of those squirrels or if you hear one, yeah, stop for a second and ask yourself, did I, or if you jump a deer or, you know, you don't know what you jumped mm-hmm. and you hear it kind of crashing or thumping through the woods or whatever, just stop and listen for a minute to see if you hear that squirrel sound off mm-hmm. or the opposite. If you hear one sound off, break your trail, get your wind checker out, mm-hmm. test the wind and try to get down, hurry quietly downwind as quickly and quietly as you possible can even go in there. Not if you're not hunting, go in there fast at it downwind to see if you can get a visual of whatever it was. Mm-hmm. So here's a question. Do these squirrels, woodpeckers, are they sounding off because they, they see us, they see the predator moving through the woods or they smell the predator? So that is the million dollar question right there, (laughs) because sometimes it happens so often with me and I know they can't see me. Even if they're, you know, they might be like on another ridge or whatever. And I'm going, okay, does that little squirrel actually smell me? I don't know. But I'm telling you, statistically, I have been able to kill more bear or, you know, taking somebody out in the woods or teaching them this or have them validate with me. Where from that little assistant guide, Mm -hmm. you know, has not has not failed me. (laughs) There's something coming in. Yep, my clients laugh about it because I'll get busted more time than not. Right, clients, 
Right. Clients have all clients have like size 18 boots for some Absol- reason. Absolutely. <laughs> like size 18 Kenetrex that, yeah. that, you know, you're like, Oh my God, you know, you tell them be quiet. Be quiet. And, and, and there'll be one acorn in the trail for a mile and they'll find step that one on acorn to, to step on and pop. So I get busted more time than not trying to get there. But then all of a sudden you'll just hear the crash and going through the woods or the, you know, usually it ain't a deer. Usually it's a heavier, you know, like a wolf and a dump, dump, dump running. Yeah. Or you'll hear something, just the leaves going like if it was a fox or a coyote or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. No, it's, 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 it's a definitely, um, I think it, people talk about spot and stock bear, but what worked for me last year was sitting my butt down in the dirt up against a tree where in an area that I, I knew bears traveled and I approached it, you know, thoughtfully in terms of what the morning thermals were doing, you know, they were coming downhill and I was going uphill to get to this spot. And, um, I saw bears, <laughs> you know, I saw, mm-hmm. I saw more bears in person than I'd ever seen before over, over a few weekends. And, uh, and it was certainly more effective to sit there in an area that I, 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 I thought they would be moving than it would have been if I'd been moving myself. Um, yeah. So don't yeah. rub, don't rub on brand. Another good little tactic. If you're going to go hunt the same area, the same trail to the same mm-hmm. wallet, at the same food source, start mm-hmm. clipping the branches off the trees mm-hmm. and the little, do not rub your pants and you, and any part of your body or any of your stuff on bushes or trees take little pruners with you if mm-hmm. i can say that i don't i don't know if it's legal or not but <laughs> i do take pruners out and i prune where i'm going to walk because i've got great i can validate any of this with video just last yeah. year two of my diy guys on their video and i told them don't rub the trees because they will smell you and they videotape from their tree stand during our tree season while this bear's coming and coming and coming in and it happened to be coming in four hours later, the same way that they came in, yeah. going to a wallow, and all of a sudden, it, it walks right up and it smells. It just puts its nose right on this little bush, man, and it took off freaking running. It knew, yeah, <laughs> yep, it knew. It smelt. It smelt them on that little uh, bush already, and I've watched it in the woods from with binoculars or spotting scopes where you know, you'll, I'll watch a hunter go and I'm looking at, you know, some hunter sitting on a rock or whatever. And I saw the way he walked in. All of a sudden you see a bear come walking down to get water about 200 yards around the mountain from him. And that bear will hit that trail, smell that guy and turn around and go right back up the way he came. Yeah. Hey, when you say, you know, identify food, because everybody's focused on food. I think people are getting the the idea that they need to become, um, you know, like, botanist you know they need to become forage experts and uh they need to know they need to know what all these different food sources are when you're saying food close to water what is what is close is it a quarter mile is it is it two miles you know if what's i would would, so so here's again my experiences Uh my big my big heavy lazy fat bears are within 500 yards of food okay. and they're, they're marking every marking everything up and saying um this is my area and i'm too lazy to go any further and i'm going to go ahead and walk up this steep 
mountain here to lay in my bed, which is 500 yards from that meadow of fruit down there or whatever. Mm -hmm. And you all need to stay away. And all those other bears know about it. But then you'll get those, but those, you got to think, I mean, they're from eight o'clock at night to four in the morning. Mm -hmm. How, how far can they travel? <laughs> and you'll get those younger bears and those medium sized bears. They'll travel three, four miles sure. to get to that food source. So if I, so I would say three, four miles. So sometimes okay. if you set up your cameras uh, on around that food source, and you'll see a good shooter bear that's coming in and you're patterning them, go ahead and set up, you know, your blind or your spot and stock, you know, mm -hmm. if you got good wind. But in the morning, you're going to set up where they're going to walk out of their food source to where they're going to their bed area. I get these, these people that, like deer hunters, you know, that say they're going to get a bear also or whatever. You go... I don't understand why you want to get up at three in the morning to go, you know, out and sit on this clear cut when if you're not paying attention to that wind. That, you don't even get to see him walk out of the clear cut because they already know you're there. Right. So you, if you're going to walk into a clear cut or somewhere to glass or whatever, <clears throat> you got to have wind right. If you plan it right and you know there's a good meadow of food or a good berry crop or a good plum crop or cherries or apples, apples in the fall, right? But everything, I like my guys to hunt the most in the fall, late September, October to mid-November, mm -hmm. because now it's cool and colder and you can, you know, fill dress them right. So if you're doing that, find your acorn crops, you know, where you're finding all the scat. Mm -hmm. Then when you're going in, in that direction, know where they're going to bed, generally on the north side north facing slope right they're going to okay. bed on the north feet on the south so figure out where their beds are find their bedding areas then go i know why they're bedding here it's a north facing slope and then you go over to the south this is why i'm finding all the scat look at all the acorn and then you're going okay they're feeding here till five in the morning six in the morning yep. at the latest and so if i walk on this ridge in between and sit and the wind's you know, coming across right to left or in yeah. my face because yeah. it will shift or the thermals are now coming down, you know, then, and you, so you stay below them, you're going to, you want to catch them going from the food over to their bedding area. And you might catch one fatty going, Oh crap, I'm late. It's already got light, you know? So that's going to be, uh, that's gonna be morning. So that would be yeah. between between bedding. So the trans the transition when they're they're moving between bedding and food is usually going to be it's going to be morning and evening that they're that they're going from from one point to another on that one. Yeah. But it's going to be big but, bears, but wallows would be more midday. Wallows midday. Okay. Well, if it's September and it's hot, even late <laughs> September. Sure. And same with like turkey hunting. A lot of people are like, man, what do I do? Well, if the if the gob if all of a sudden late spring and it's hot all night and they're gobbling all night, the first thing they they come off, they're not going down to feed. They're mm -hmm. going down to water. So mm -hmm. get in between them and the water. So if it's hot, get in between them and the water. If it was not hot, get in between them and the food. Yep. And then 
So, so an hour in the morning, hour in the evening. And if it's a hot day, 3 a.m., you know, two to three in the afternoon. Sure. You will be surprised at how many more big bucks and deer, I mean, and bear you kill when all the hunters leave the woods at, at 10 a.m., 11. And every one of those trophy deer and trophy bear know that you left and everybody left. <laughs> it's time to, move, time, to time to relocate, time to reposition themselves <laughs> and get some water. Yep. So, so if you get a bad wind and you're going in and you're like, Oh my God, the wind 90, every day you're scouting, you should be checking the wind, the time and which direction it's going. You'll find that 70%, 80% of the time, it's always oh. blowing this way. Okay. So now, you know, in this particular area, 70 to 80% of the time, it's always hitting my back. So, so I'm going to, when I come hunt this, I'm going to have to figure out to come in somehow the other way. Cause the bears also know that. Right. But then let's say 70%, 80% of the time you are now going in there and all of a sudden this happens to be the day, the only day you had off from work, it's blowing (laughs) the opposite way. Just keep walking past it. Yeah, you change your approach or or skip it that day. So I have I have one more question. I have one more question. I have I have many more, but I have one more question, and I want to do a quick pause, and then I I do want to touch on meat care um, because I think it's so critical. But in terms of like the seasons and behaviors and whatnot, is um, do you find that August September like archery season? the bears would skew towards a higher elevation typically than they would be in the mid October to early November timeframe. In your country. Yes. In my country. No. Okay. Okay. It's, it's follow the food and we are so dense with bear. Um, you know, you've got in summer, you still got the blackberries galore. Yeah. So in our areas, it's going to be all about the blackberries in, in June, July, and August, and plums and cherries. Um, you might even get early manzanita berries in late summer, you know, that type mm-hmm. of manzanita berries in, in August in our area mm-hmm. are just unbelievable. And that's lower, mostly lower elevation. I mean, we can okay. get manzanita way up top, but we have mountains of manzanita in like, especially Trinity County area and the archery guys the biggest and it'll transition to bear care but that's scary because it's it's 95 to 110 degrees right at that time so So. where you are you're saying higher elevation in august or lower both but follow the food or they're just everywhere if If if, there's food they're there yes and so if you've got a mountain of of manzanita that bloomed, but then all of a sudden you decide to go up 7,000 feet into the Alps and they had a freeze in the spring. They may not be there and you may have hiked, you know, four hours for no reason. Right. So if you, if you, so find, you can monitor it. Like I said, in March, April, because, or even may, if you go there and the bloom is on after mm-hmm. mother's day is what we say okay. after mother's day and there, and you got a good bloom that's going to be there. Okay. That particular fruit is going to be there. If you go there in, in after Mother's Day and you're not seeing any bloom on your secret spots and your secret food sources, mm-hmm. 
after Mother's Day, if it's not if it's not blooming, it's not going to show because the free some sort of a late spring freeze killed it. Got it, got it. I, I'm trying to figure out. I I'm gonna I I want to take a bear in early November or late October, or heck, I mean I'll 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 go as far as saying you know early December. I just I think that they're going where I am. They're harder to pattern later in the season, or maybe I just need to go down to the lower elevation where the tree oaks are um, to get them in that later fall fall pattern. Um, and that's be, where a lot of them are going. That you're scratching your head. So yeah. I don't know where your guy when your guys' pinion are at their ripest, but I promise you that a lot of your bigger, fatter trophy bears are going to drop down to that, you know, all the way down to, to a thousand, but up to probably four or 5,000 for Oak in that late season. And then, so yeah. they're gorging themselves on that. And then, and then at that point, that's once they disappear, it's because they're going into their, their winter beds. Um, so a couple of things to think about on that. You mm-hmm. just made me think. So, Another mistake hunters make is all of a sudden, you know, they're gorging, gorging, gorging. Then there's oak scat there, oak scat everywhere, oak, oak, and then it disappears. Mm-hmm. Well, a guy, a, a, one of your biologists could probably answer this better than me, but my thought is maybe they're just not purging as much right now. Maybe they're just storing more fat and they may still be in that area. Mm. Generally, the rule of thumb is when the bears start going in their hole, because right, not all bears hibernate in California, not, and, and sometimes that one bear does and sometimes they don't. My understanding is if you got a good food crop and you got a good cold winter coming and they were able to put on a lot of fat, they're not Mm -hmm. diseased, then they'll go in their hole. Mm -hmm. If they're diseased, old, thin, not feeling well, can't find food, they're going to stay out later. Last year, two 10 foot grizzlies in Kodiak never even uh, hibernated because they were being habituated and off the yeah. garbage dumps in Kodiak. So if you got food year round, you got 10 foot Kodiaks in Alaska <laughs> at 20 below that never awesome. even went hibernated. So yeah, yeah, that's who yeah. hibernation. I need, yeah, I'm going to have to make that decision. Like, do I want to, uh, cause I, I think I'll be able to find a, a bear in, in August, September, but if I want a bear with a better coat on it and more fat, it's going to be, it's going to have to be later. So I want to, I want to kind of put a pin in things right here. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to quickly just say, Hey, I mean, you know, thank you. <laughs> there is uh, mm-hmm. there's, there's more, there's more here uh, for people to chew on um, than, than most people can process an entire season. But uh, I think, like for me, the takeaway is like the water. I think that's a piece of the equation that I haven't been paying attention to. And, um, and, and thinking about where, like in the areas where I've seen bears, especially in, you know, August, September, October, when it's hot and dry, like where, what, how does the water fit into where I've been seeing them? And then how to then, you know, learn from that to, to add to whatever I'm going to do next. So I, um, I really appreciate it a lot. Everybody, Mike here. Just want to give another shout out to Brian Kinsey of Kinsey Guide Service up there in Northern California. Always appreciate the time that these experienced hunters 
can bring to the podcast. And this one is certainly no exception. Uh, Brian brought about five decades of experience in the woods of California. And my big takeaway was his commentary on wallows and water and the bear's need for, uh, for cooling off, especially in our hot hunting seasons there in August and September. And I think the water aspect of hunting bears is something I had discounted until now. But looking back on where I see the bears and where I'm hunting, I can see how water plays a part in the areas that they're passing through when I've seen them either in person or on camera. And so I can take that with me going into the woods next time looking for bears. And I just got to say, I absolutely crack up. Um, this was the second time he told me the story of his assistant hunting guides or his hunting assistants, the, uh, the squirrels and bears that sound off when a predator walks through the woods. Um, absolutely cracks me up. But really, it is another example of how time spent looking, listening, and learning, you know, what's going on in the woods while we're out there is really the only way we can become a better hunter. Um, the podcasts hopefully convey lots of good information for you. Uh, you're going to garner information from other hunters through all kinds of different other channels, YouTube, etc. But when it gets right down to it, none of that information adds up to anything unless you're out there practicing and absorbing what the woods and the wilderness and the animals can put in front of you and what you can pick up through your own senses. So Western hunting to me is, is truly an infinitely complex puzzle. And those sounds and sights are pieces of that puzzle that we just have to keep putting together. California is one of the best states for black bear hunting, without a doubt. And with a fall season that lasts for four months uh, and legally huntable populations within one to two hour drive for almost everybody in the state, um, I think we've all got a great opportunity to get out there and spend some time intentionally hunting bears and be rewarded by it with some great meat, hopefully a really cool trophy in terms of the hide and, um, and a great experience. So wish you the best of luck out there in the woods this year. Uh, we've got one more episode on the bear series coming up and uh, just another shout out to Brian Kinsey of Kinsey's Guide Service. Thanks so much for making this episode possible.